Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, as we continue our study of the gospel of Matthew. Remember that Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews, and what we are now is in the final week of Christ's life before his death and resurrection. If you remember, he had came in, he'd come into the city riding on the donkey, he came in, went into the temple, cleansed the temple, and then in that final week, confrontation with the religious leaders, they came and they asked him all sorts of stupid questions, trying to trick him and everything, and of course he answered them, and then he asked them a question they couldn't answer. And then we saw something amazing. In, in chapter 23, we saw what we call the seven woes, where Jesus, in front of all these people, basically denounced the religious leaders. And we saw those woes, and he talked, called them hypocrites and blind guides and all of those kind of things. Now, what we know at this time is, as a whole, of course, the religious leaders have rejected Jesus, but the nation of Israel as a whole has rejected him from being the Messiah and the King and, and all of those things. And so uh, we're going to see, as we look this morning, that Jesus is going to be teaching about the end times because they, he's going to, in just a few days he's going to be crucified, he's been rejected by the nation, and so he's teaching this. He's teaching about end time events. The, the disciples and Jesus have left Jerusalem. We're going to talk more about it in a minute. They went out what we call the Eastern Gate. They're going up the, they're going down the Kidron Valley and then up the, the Mount of Olives, and they're going to go there, and then Jesus is going to teach, and he told them that the temple was going to be destroyed, and it just it shook them. And so when they get to the other side of the Mount of Olives and looking out across at the city and at the temple, they ask the questions like, when is this going to happen? And so what we see is they ask him some questions, and they'll say, when is this going to happen? When will Jesus return as the king? What will be the signs of your coming? And all those kind of things. They want to know. And so Jesus sits down, and four of them basically, we'll, I'll show you in a minute how we know that, came over and asked the questions. And so what we're going to look at this morning, beginning in Matthew 24 and then in Matt 25, we're going to look at that time period called the tribulation. The tribulation is a time period on the earth in which things are really, really bad. It's a judgment. It's basically a time period for the nation of Israel. Just to make sure everybody understands, for the church, we're the body of Christ. One of these days, and it could be any second, Jesus Christ could come in the clouds. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain to be taught, taught up together with him. So we're the church, the body of Christ will be gone. The tribulation has nothing to do with us. We will not be a part of that. But Jesus is teaching this because they're asking the question, what will be the end of the age? And it's not the age of the church age because the church hadn't even started when they're talking to Jesus. They're talking about the end of what we'd call the Jewish time, and we'll see how that fits together. Well, we know we are experiencing extraordinary times in our world, in our country, in our lives. There's nothing been like this ever, as far as I know. The world is changing. Things may never be quite the same. What does the future hold? What is, what, what, what is God doing? So we could ask that question. Well, we have the Bible. We have the Word of God. God has revealed to us the future events. God has revealed to us what's going to happen with believers and unbelievers and even the angels. And this morning, while Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples come to him and ask him about the end times, and he tells them. He gives them the details concerning the events that will happen. Now, a lot of people are interested in end-time events. It's really kind of fun to study it and look through it, and it just so happens that in Matthew 24 and 25, we're going to get details about the time period called the tribulation. But I'm going to give you more information as well. This, uh, we're looking at tribulation, and we need to have an understanding of that. Now, let's think for a minute. nation of Israel as a whole has rejected Jesus Christ. And he came into his own, his own received him not. His public ministry basically is over. His last great speaking time publicly, we saw that. That was chapter 23. And so now he's with his disciples, and just in a matter of days, there'll be what we call the Passover. He'll be arrested. He'll be tried six times. He'll be taken to the cross. He'll die, and then he'll rise again. 
And so as we start as we start this morning, let me remind you again about the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew shows that Jesus Christ is the King of the Jews. He was in this book, he's born King of the Jews. He lives as King of the Jews. All of the signs and the things that he does is King of the Jews. He enters the city riding the donkey, fulfilling Zechariah 9 9 as the King of the Jews. Even on the cross, when they crucify him, the sign above his head says, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And so Matthew presents Jesus as the King. And we've come to really a sort of a special part in the book of Matthew. And if you remember, I I said this when we started the study a long time ago, that there are three big sections in Matthew that we need to understand. The first one was the Sermon on the Mount. That's chapters 5, 6, and 7. And that dealt with righteous living for believers at any time. So we saw that at the very beginning. Then in chapter 13 of Matthew, there were the mystery parables where Jesus gave a whole bunch of parables dealing with this world and the coming kingdom. And now we move to what we call the Olivet Discord, Discourse because it takes place on the Mount of Olives, and it's Matthew chapter 24 and 25, and it's truth concerning the tribulation. And this is the time just before Jesus the King returns to reign. And so we're seeing a a very special section in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 24 and 25. Now realize that Jesus has been rejected. He's heading to the cross. I want you to look with me at chapter 23. Look what's happened as a whole. He's been rejected. Look at verse 37 of chapter 23. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks and underling, and you were unwilling. He was basically saying, I came to the Jews and I wanted to gather them together just like a, a big hen gathers their little chicks. I wanted to gather the nation of Israel, but they, weren't, they were unwilling. They wouldn't come to him. They rejected him as a whole. He goes on to say in verse 38, behold, your house is being left to you desolate. Now, what he actually said there was the temple is going to be destroyed. They didn't grasp it all right then, but that's what he said. And then he goes on and says, I say to you from now on, you'll not see me again. You'll not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, he's talking about his second coming there. And when he comes the second time, the nation of Israel will trust in him and they will be calling upon the name of the Lord. You find that in the book of Romans, and they're going to be calling upon the name of the Lord. You find that also in the book of Revelation, chapter 17 and 18, right in chapter 19 as he comes back in 1911. And so this is what he says. He says, one of these days, you'll see me again when you believe in me as the Messiah, and that's going to happen. So as we start chapter 24 and 25, I want you to just look at chapter 24 this morning, just as the outline of the entire chapter. The verses we're looking at this morning are verses 1 through 14, which will be the questions. What will, when will be the end of the age? What's it going to be like? And then next week, we get into the signs of Christ coming. That begins at verse 15, and that's a really big turning point because that's where we talk about the abomination, desolation. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Then toward the end of the chapter in verses 29, through 31, we actually see Jesus coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and then he ends it with a parable, basically saying, be ready, because he could come, especially for the generation. Now, the people that he's talking to, he's talking to his disciples, but he's referring to the generation of those who are going to be alive during the tribulation. So there's a lot of things there. As we begin this morning, I want to, to, I need to give a little background Uh, put together the end times for you so that you can see how it all fits together. Now, let's think about this. We know this. When we think about Jesus Christ, there are two comings of Christ 
to the earth. The first time Jesus Christ came to the earth, he was born in Bethlehem. He left the glories of heaven, Philippians chapter 2. He left the glories of heaven and became a human being. Why did he become a human being? So he could die on the cross and pay for our sins. Mark 10, 45 says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. The first time Jesus Christ came, he came to die on the cross to pay for our sins. The second time Jesus Christ comes to this earth, he is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He comes as the King to reign. I put down Revelation 20 because that's his reign. It's actually Revelation 19, 11 when the heavens open and he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I just want to show you the chart. Here is the first coming. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. That's his first coming. Here is the second coming where he comes down to the earth and sets up a kingdom and rules for a thousand years. So there are two comings of Christ to the earth. First coming to die, second coming to reign. If you notice there is another coming, it's the coming in the clouds. And so we want you to understand that this is called the rapture. He does not come to the earth. He comes in the clouds. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we will be with the Lord. That's called the rapture. It could happen at any second. It deals with the church. It does not deal with the nation of Israel. It deals with the body of Christ. And Jesus Christ could come at any second. If he came, there would be a shout, a voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead would be raised, and then we would be changed and immediately taken off the face of the earth. Jesus isn't talking about the rapture. He's going to be talking about his second coming, his first coming to die, his second coming to reign. And we'll see that as we go through it. So I want to remind you, that's his first coming, that's his second coming, that's his coming in the clouds to get us. That deals with the church. This part is going to deal with the nation of Israel. We'll see that as we go through it. Well, people say things like, oh, aren't there a lot of signs for the rapture? There are no signs for the rapture. Jesus Christ could come at any second. There are nothing to be fulfilled. We're going to see that the signs that people talk about, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all the, those are signs of his second coming, and they take place during the tribulation. So with that in mind, let me give you the outline for our passage this morning, and that is we're going to look at verses 1 through 14, questions concerning the end time. Jesus tells of the temple's destruction. When he talks about that, they come and ask him, when will this be? What will be the signs? What is all this? And so he gives in verses 4 through 14 an overview of the tribulation. So this morning, from verse 4 through 14, we will actually see just a big overview of the entire seven-year time period, which we call the tribulation. And so remember that Jesus is teaching, this teaching this morning is concerning the tribulation and his second coming. So think about this. He's been uh, teaching in the temple. He's confronted the religious leaders. He gave the seven woes, and then they left, and Jesus left with his disciples. And they come out, and they'll go out through what's probably called the Golden Gate. Then they will go out through the Eastern Gate. They'll go down the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives. And as they're leaving, the, the, the disciples point to the temple, and they go, wow, Look at that temple. Is that some kind of building? And Jesus says, well, the whole thing's going to be torn down. And they, they get all shocked. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 24, look at verse 1. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away with his disciples. Jesus was coming out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple building to him. Now, he was leaving, and he's going out from the temple. as Matthew 24, 1. I want you to understand the temple was this amazing building. Uh, originally, it was the tabernacle, which, is a, which was a tent, and it was traveled around in the wilderness. And then under the day, days of King David, David wanted to build a temple, and God said, no, you can't build it, Solomon can. So about a 1,000 years before Jesus, Solomon built this beautiful, amazing building, which was the temple. 
And because of the Jewish people's rejection and idolatry, uh, in, in 585 B.C., the, the uh, Babylonians came in and took the Jewish people off into captivity and destroyed the temple completely. And about 70 years later, in 515 uh, AD, uh, B.C., they came back and rebuilt the temple, and it was a very small building. It wasn't anything like Solomon built. Some of the people who had been alive and saw the original temple, they were still alive when they came back. And when they saw the little temple, they wept. It says in the scripture, they wept. But they all realized, wait a minute, it's not the size of the temple that matters. It's the fact that that's where we worship and that's where we do all those things. Well, later on, when King Herod, the Herod that was the bad man that killed all the babies, he was called Herod the Great. He was a great builder. He built Masada. He built some places at Caesarea. He decided that he would get on the good side of the Jews, and he built the temple. He took the smaller building, and he just added and made it amazing. And this is just sort of pictures of what, you know, some drawings and things of what it looks like. But here is the temple itself. Here's, uh, you can't see it, but if you go through those gates, there's a, there's a place that they offered sacrifices, and then that's the holy place and the holy of holies. Nobody could go in there except the priest. People could go in these areas along the side. They could go in the areas along the back. This is the Golden Gate, and so people would, could come in the Golden Gate and come into this area, and that's the, that the temple looked like. Now, it's huge in the sense that this is the walls of Jerusalem, and if you notice, you'd go out the Golden Gate, then you'd go out the Eastern Gate, which is down there, go down these steps, and then start this winding path that would go up the Mount of Olives. And on the Mount of Olives, we called it the Mount of Olives because it had a bunch of olive trees on it, and there was a place called Gethsemane, which means the place of the olive press. Jesus went there a lot with his, with his guys. And so here's sort of another view of the temple. And so you can see them probably coming out right here and maybe even about to come out the, the eastern, the, uh, you know, the eastern gate. And they looked around and said, look at this building. Is this not amazing? And look at verse two, what Jesus says. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left on another that will not be torn down. He basically says, the whole building's going to be torn down. And, and they, they looked at him like, what are you talking about? Because here's what we realized, is they started building, Herod started building the building, and I'm not sure, I can't remember the year, I want to think it's 23 B.C., but it wasn't finished till 64 A.D., and it was destroyed in 70 A.D., so the whole temple, completely rebuilt, only lasted six years before it was destroyed. And so, and it was destroyed in A.D. 70, and that's what Jesus is talking about, and he says the whole thing's going to be torn down, and they went, what are you talking about? And so he leaves them speechless, and they don't speak for a while. And, and here's, here's their question, you know. If Jesus is the king, where's the temple going to be? I mean, if he's going to be the king of kings and the lord of lords, what do you mean the temple's going to be gone? And so notice what happens. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And so... They leave, they go across, they go up to the Mount of Olives. And if you're sitting on the Mount of Olives, if you looked back toward the west, you see the temple. You see the city and you see the temple. And it says while he was sitting there, some of the disciples, it says the disciples came to him privately. Now, in Mark chapter 13, it actually tells us who came. Peter and Andrew and James and John went to Jesus, and it says privately, there wasn't a big crowd around or anything, they came up to Jesus and they asked him, they said, tell us. When will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of your age? And they, they had these questions because he just got through telling them, temple's going to be gone. And so they're saying, wait a minute, I, we, we want to know how this fits together. 
So there are two questions primarily were, when will the temple be destroyed? When will this happen? And then, what will be the signs of your coming in the end of the age? And the way it's written in the Greek, the signs of your coming in the end of the age flow together. They're saying, when the signs of your coming happen, that's the end of the age and the kingdom will come. And so they're basically saying, when is all this going to happen? They understood from Zechariah 14 that when the Messiah comes as the king, he comes to the Mount of Olives and stands on top of the Mount of Olives. That's where they are right now. And it says in Zechariah, that when he stands on the Mount of Olives, they will split in two. The Mount of Olives will split. And so they're saying, when is all this going to happen? What will be the signs? How will we know what's going to be the end of the age? Now remember, when they say the end of the age, they're not talking about the church. They're not talking about us. Church hadn't even started yet. They're talking about the end of the Jewish age. So Jesus is going to teach them. And he's going to teach them this, that the signs of Christ's coming deal with a time period called the tribulation. There is a seven-year time period that takes place before he comes the second time. And so he's about to teach about the tribulation. When most of us in this room, we've studied the book of Daniel, we studied the seven last things in the book of Revelation, we studied end time events. So this is not new to us in our church, but I just wanted to remind you, he's going to be talking about the seven-year time period called the tribulation that takes place right before he comes. Now, when we think of tribulation, the Bible calls it Jacob's trouble. In Jeremiah 30, verse 7, it's called Jacob's trouble because it deals with the nation of Israel. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Daniel got prophecy dealing with the tribulation. And of course, the book of Revelation, chapter 6 through 19, deal with the tribulation. So it's all in there. So let me give you and give you some background a little bit before we get into it. When you think about the tribulation, it's seven years. It's divided into two parts. Now, just, just for our own feelings here, we're not a part of this. Church is already gone. We're up with Jesus Christ. This is what's happening on the earth. It's a seven-year time period. It has two, three-and-a-half-year time period. And let me just show you. So this is this time right here. We're already gone. And so this seven-year time period is divided into two times. The first three-and-a-half years, there will be suffering. It starts out in peace. A man of sin rises to power. We call him man of sin. A man becomes a world leader. And and, and the first three-and-a-half years... Uh, uh, of his, his deal with the nation of Israel. It starts off in peace, but there's going to be a lot of problems and suffering. Then the second half, the last three and a half years, is often called the Great Tribulation. This is when the man of sin, he, we call him the Antichrist, he claims to be God, he puts his idol up in the temple, and he does all of those things. So let me show you. Here's this seven-year time period. The first three and a half years, there's a covenant made with the nation of Israel. It's a peace treaty. That's found in Daniel 9, 27. And that'll last for three and a half years. And that starts off with peace, but there's bad things that happen. Halfway through it, the covenant is broken. It's called the abomination desolation. This man of sin puts his idol up in the temple and claims to be God. And so the second three and a half years is called the great tribulation. And that's when there's going to be people are going to, anybody that's believed in Jesus as the Messiah, the Jewish people who trusted Christ, they're going to be persecuted. You have to take the mark of the beast, all of those kind of things. So it's going to be a really a horrible time. And so the first part's often called the tribulation and the second part is called the great tribulation. Now let me show you in our chapter this morning, the first, verses four through eight, when Jesus is teaching, he's talking about the first three and a half years. And then in verse 9 through 14, he's talking about the second part of the final three and a half years, and we'll see that. Now, here's the question, and this is a big question, is why is the tribulation seven years? 
Why is it seven years? Why is there peace back that's seven years? Well, let me show you something. The tribulation is seven years because we find in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, that God comes to the nation of Israel and he tells them he's given them 490 years given to the nation. What he tells them at the 483-year mark, in other words, after 483 years, the Messiah dies. That means after the Messiah dies, the nation has seven years left. What we find out that Jesus died exactly at the 483-year mark, and the Jewish people still have their final seven years. Let me show you this chart. Don't look at all the things, but just look at this. This is the total 490 years and there's a decree given in 445, 444 B.C. that starts the decree, and 483 years happened. Jesus entered Jerusalem. He dies on the cross at the 483-year mark. Now, they still got seven years, but right then, everything stopped, and now we're in the church age. When the church is taken out, the Jewish people still have their final seven years. That's why the tribulation is seven years. He promised them 490. They've used up 483. They still have seven years left. And of course, of that seven years, remember, three and a half years the first, three and a half years in the second. And so that's why that the tribulation is seven years. It's the final seven years of the Jewish people. Now, I want you to understand something, that the tribulation is a time period in which the Jewish people have the opportunity to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. In fact, they will. The tribulation is a time for the nation of Israel to trust Jesus as the Messiah. He came the first time, and as a nation, they rejected him. When he comes, Before he comes the second time during the tribulation, the nation of Israel will believe in him. If you know that in Revelation chapter 7, at the beginning of the tribulation, 144,000 Jews are raised up to evangelize. 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, trust Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior, and they begin to spread the message to the Jewish people and to the world. And so at the beginning of the tribulation, a bunch of people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. So let me just show you this. After we're gone, at the start of this seven-year time period, 144,000 Jewish people will trust in Jesus. They'll begin to spread the message. And during this seven-year tribulation, more and more Jewish people will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And at the very end, of the tribulation, the book of Romans tells us, and also we see it in Revelation, and we also see it in other places, they will call upon the name of the Lord as a nation and believe in him, and Jesus comes the second time. That's why it all fits together that way. So now Jesus has told them, and so they ask the questions, and now he's going to give them the answer. And if you remember, verses 4 through 8 are the first three and a half years. Look what he says. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and will mislead many. Now remember, this is the first part of the tribulation, the first three and a half years. A man will come. He'll come as a man of peace. We call him the Antichrist. It starts out in peace. He makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. And if you notice in this chart, it starts, a covenant is made, a peace treaty is made with the nation of Israel. And so that's at the start of the three and a half, of the, of the seven years, the first three and a half. Now, the nation of Israel, they think they're fine. Now, let me just tell you some things that, that you may not even be aware of. In the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the Antichrist, who they think is a great world leader, is supposed to protect Israel. 
But what we find from Ezekiel 38 and 39, that Turkey, Russia, Iran, Libya, and Put, which is like Ethiopia, maybe a little section from Ethiopia, they all come together to attack Israel. Now, in the Bible, Turkey is called Turgama, Russia is called the king of the north, Iran is called Persia, Libya is called Libya, and Put is called Put, but we think it's a part of Ethiopia. They come together to attack the nation of Israel in the beginning of the tribulation. And in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and by the way, uh, just so you could be aware how God is lining things up, if you go back 10 years, Russia and Iran have been friends for a long time. But Turkey has been part of NATO and been part of us as friends until the last two years. And in the last two, two and a half years, Turkey has now moved and made an alliance with Russia and Iran. It's all lining up. Now, I'm not saying that, I'm saying this, rapture could happen any second anyway, but I just want you to see that all this is happening. And let me tell you what happens real quickly. These nations rise together and attack Israel because Israel's at peace because of the peace treaty with the Antichrist. And when they attack, instead of the Antichrist defending him like he's promised, he doesn't. God brings giant hailstones out of the sky. If you want to, go study Ezekiel 38 and 39. He brings hailstones out of the sky, and he blasts the armies of Turkey, Russia, Iran, Libya, and put. He gives the victory for the Jewish people. That's going to happen, and that's in the first three and a half years. So Jesus says this, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and mis- will mislead many. That's the Antichrist and all that. He says, You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for those things must take place, but that's not the end. This is the first part. Now, just remember this. He's not talking to us, and he's not really even talking to the disciples. He's talking about to the people who are going to read this in the future when this happens. In fact, if you look down at verse 15, when he talks about the abomination desolation, notice it says, let the reader understand. This is for people in the future. When all these things are happening, Jesus is giving them the information. And so he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Listen, I have people say all the time, oh, earthquakes everywhere, it must be the end times. Listen, there's always been earthquakes, but this is going to be big earthquakes that are going to be happening during the tribulation. They're not the earthquakes that are going on now. Notice what he says, all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. This is the first three and a half years. If you read the book of Revelation, and there's a part in there that gives you the seven seal judgments, that's at the very beginning of the book of Revelation. That happens in the first three and a half years. Now, starting in verse 9, he gives the second three and a half years, the second part of the tribulation, and it's many who are believers will face great tribulation. You remember what happens? The Antichrist claims to be God, puts his idol up in the temple, says that you must have the mark of the beast, 666, either here or here. You can't buy or sell anything. Believers, Jewish and, and, and Gentile, who believe during the tribulation, they're not going to take the mark of the beast. So they're going to have to run for their lives. Notice how verse 9 starts. Then they will deliver you to tribulation, and they will kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Many who are believers are going to face great tribulation. 
tribulation. And this is what happens when the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple right there. The final three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. And they come after the believers, both believing Jews and, and believing Gentiles. And by the way, um, if you read Isaiah chapter 16, verse 1, there's a place called Selah. And uh, it's a place uh, that Jewish people are supposed to flee during the tribulation. We're going to read it later on. We get it further on in the Gospel of Matthew in 24 and 25. Uh, and and uh, they're going to run for their lives. And that's going to be a place that will be a place of safety for them. So Isaiah, I think, 16, 1 and 2. Anyway, so it says, They'll deliver you to tribulation. They will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another to hate one another. It's going to be a horrible, horrible time. Notice, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. And that's what we're going to see during the tribulation. And then listen to this. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. And so we see in this last part, there'll be false prophets. Look at the signs, wars, famines, earthquakes, false prophets falling away. All of that happens in that seven-year time period, and it really happens in the last three and a half years. These are the signs. When they said to Jesus, what will be the signs of your coming? What will be the end of your age? This is what he is telling them. Now look at verse 13 because people get confused on verse 13. He says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. He's not talking about eternal life salvation. Salvation comes by faith. He's talking about making it to the end. He basically says, if you make it to the end of the tribulation, you'll be delivered physically. In other words, there's some of those who will make it to the end and will be saved physically. They won't die during the tribulation. That's going to be a small number because a whole bunch of people are going to die during the tribulation. The ones that make it through the tribulation without dying, they will get to go into the kingdom uh, in normal bodies. We'll talk more about that at another time. But that's what he says. Those who endure the end will be saved. Don't take that to be some reformed theology that says if you live righteous to the end of your life, you get salvation. Salvation is not by you living right. Salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. The moment you trust in Christ, you're saved and saved forever. This verse is saying whoever lives and makes it through the end of the tribulation will be delivered physically. That's what he's talking about. And then he ends it by saying this. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. He says that the message will go out. The gospel of the kingdom will go throughout the tribulation, and when it goes through the whole world, Jesus is going to come back. It's going to happen during the last three and a half years. Now, the gospel of the kingdom is basically saying this. The good news message is Jesus is the king. He's coming soon. If you believe in him, if you put your trust in him, you will be in the kingdom and have life forever. That's the gospel of the kingdom that will be proclaimed during the tribulation. So as we look at the questions, when will the temple be destroyed? He hasn't told them. In fact, he, in the gospel of Matthew, he doesn't tell them. You have to look at one of the other gospels to see what he tells them about that. The second thing is the signs of your coming. When will all this end? There'll be wars, famine, false prophets, lawlessness, and the gospel will be proclaimed. That's the signs of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look down, because look at verse 15, because this is where he starts giving details, and he's going to give us the details of the abomination, desolation, when that Antichrist puts his idol up. Look what it says. We'll see this next week, starting next week. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains that are run to Selah, they're to run to that place. And so this is when you see the abomination 
of desolation. Now he's speaking to the people who are living during, who are believers during the tribulation. And that's not us. We've been taken out a long time before that. And so I want you to understand how that fits together. So next week, we'll be looking at some details. We'll look at some details on this Antichrist person. Who is he? What's he like? What will he do? Why will people follow him? Well, we've seen that the disciples said, look at that temple, and Jesus says it's going to be all torn down. And so they come to him and say, well, when's it going to be torn down? And what's the sign of, the, of, the, of your coming in the end of the age? And so he tells them, and we got a big overview of the tribulation. And that's not a lot of details. And we saw the first three and a half, basically, and the last three and a half. As we go through this chapter 24 and chapter 25, we'll get a lot more details. So let me give you some applications. The first one is this. Let's have an understanding of the end-time events. Let's know how they fit together. I want you to do this. I want you to know that here's the first coming. Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin. Now we're in the church age. Know that one of these days that Jesus is going to come and we'll be taken out. After that will be that seven-year time period called the tribulation, which the Antichrist makes with Israel. At the end of that, Jesus Christ comes back as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and then he rules for a thousand years. Of course, there'll be great white throne judgment, and then the eternal state. So have an understanding of how the end times fit together. On second, have an understanding of the tribulation time period. Remember, it's a seven-year time period. First three and a half, he makes a peace treaty. There's bad stuff, but then right in the middle, he puts his idol up, claims to be God, then it gets really, really bad, and those who believe in Jesus Christ have to run for their lives. And you say, well, how do, you, how do we put all this together? Well, let me just be honest. If you, you want to put it together, I mean, you look at Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Matthew 24 and 25 and 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians and the book of Revelation, and, all, and some other areas, and uh, Zechariah, you can begin to put all these things together. Now, we've taught it before on the seven last things of Revelation. We've taught a study also we call the end times events. You can get those on the website. Uh, we've also taught the book of Daniel, which gives all of this as well. I also have books in my office. If you're interested and you want to come check out a book or something, we can do that, So just so that you can get a good understanding. We do not want, we want to understand the Word of God. We want to not be misled. We, know, we want to know where the church fits in, because I have people come up to me and say, I hope I'm not in the tribulation. I say, if you know Christ as your Savior, right now, you're not in the tribulation. You won't be in the tribulation because you're the church. And let's see God's faithfulness as he brings about his plan. So let's have an understanding of that. Second application, let's realize that God's in control. In the time that we're in right now, everybody, there's so many people who are so afraid. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know about this virus. They don't know about the world. Listen, God's in control here. He's going to be in control in the tribulation. He's going to be in control in the rapture. He's going to be in control in the kingdom. He's always been in control. He is God. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. We can study the Bible. He's actually told us what's going to happen in the end times. We don't have to be afraid. We know that he is working all things according to the counsel of his will. The last thing is just do this. Let's proclaim... Jesus Christ, and let's serve him as Savior and King. It was proclaiming, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And let's proclaim that Jesus is the only way of salvation. It's simply by faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life, and you can be saved and saved forever. And then let's serve him. While, while we are here, we know that one day we'll be in the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there'll be rewards. And as we are rewarded, as we, we want to serve him now. And we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So as we're awaiting Jesus to come get us, which could be any second, we need to not only proclaim the message, but to serve him while we're here.